Shalom Mishpocha. Welcome to this week's Kadima podcast. Self-leadership prevents power vacuum. As we proceed on, I want to start with the power vacuum and unpack that before we get to self-leadership. So this will bring a little more awareness and better understanding, I believe. In political science and political history, the term power vacuum is an analogy between a physical vacuum to the political condition. When someone has lost control of something and no one has replaced them, the situation can occur when a government has no identifiable central power authority or one that is weak. And this really is going to speak to where we're at as a nation today because across this great nation, we have many governors and many mayors that are incredibly weak that's resulting in a power vacuum. The analogy explains that in a power vacuum, other forces or a power will rush in to fill the vacuum as soon as it's created, perhaps in a form of armed militia or insurgents, military coup, warlord or dictator, socialist, communist, or Antifa. During a civil war, there's often a power vacuum of some sort. A power vacuum can also occur following a constitutional crisis in which large portions of the government resign or are removed, creating unclear issues regarding secession to positions of power. We actually have talked about this in the past. One of Joshua's greatest failures was to not raise up the next leader behind him. Moses had his Joshua and we had a clear transition of power. Joshua led the people into the promised land. But when Joshua died, the next generation remembered not what God had done for us in the land of Egypt. And they went through the period of judges of continual oppression, continual outside influence and invasion. They would cry out to God. He would raise up a judge. Then it was back to the same old thing. So there's not, wasn't a clear succession of power. Throughout history, power vacuums have been very dangerous. They lead to great uncertainty and apprehension as people wonder what will happen next. A power vacuum results in a lack of vision. This is recorded in Proverbs 29, verse 18. Without a prophetic vision, the people will throw off all restraint. Para, to loosen, dismiss, absolve, naked, perish, uncovered. The people will throw off all restraint, but he who keeps Torah is happy. Within nations, this sometimes leads to social unrest or chaos, and at times outright civil war, as non-righteous, wicked individuals step forward to grab power. Internationally, they can lead to regional or even worse, world wars as non-righteous nations see opportunities to gain more for themselves at the expense of their neighbors. In fact, the Great Depression brought about uh, Mussolini in Italy. It brought about Hitler in uh, Germany. It actually brought about the communist regime and Stalin in the Soviet Union. And at the end of World War II, when these empires were dissolved and broken apart, the remnants of the Japanese empire, they'd invaded Korea, they'd invaded China. When they lost the war, there was a power vacuum there. This is how we got North Korea. This is how we got the communist takeover of China. So these are very, very prevalent, and we see it happening in our world today. Four years ago, former U.S. Senator Joseph Lieberman, one-time Democratic Party vice presidential candidate and author of the legislation that created the Department of Homeland Security, described how the world has become much more dangerous as a result of America's disengagement from its long-held position of world leadership. In an article called The Absence of U.S. Leadership Makes the World More Dangerous Than Ever from February 2016. So he was talking about the previous administration, not ours now. He said, the world has never seemed as dangerous and leaderless as it does now. Only the extremists and bullies act boldly, and therefore they have seized the initiative. 
There's more instability in the world today than at any other time since the end of World War II. The threats come from emboldened expansionist powers such as Iran, Russia, and China, and also terrorist aggressors such as the Islamic State and Al-Qaeda. In short, the enemies of freedom are on the march. And at the same time, the United States has chosen this moment to become more passive in the world. The absence of American leadership has certainly not caused all the instability, but it has encouraged and exacerbated it. And again, that was a quote from Absence of U.S. Leadership Makes the World More Dangerous, written by uh, acting Senator Joe Lieberman. This, in fact, is a biblical, scriptural, heavenly concept as well. When there's a lack of righteous kingdom leadership, a power vacuum arises that is quickly filled with evil and deceit. And I use this scripture, verse 5, from 2 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 5. Moreover, understand this in the Akhret Hayamim, in that time and season to come, which is where we're at now, will come trying times. And certainly times have never been more trying than they are right now. Verse 2, it says people will be self-loving, money-loving, proud, arrogant, insulting, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, uncontrolled, brutal, hateful of good, traitorous, headstrong, swollen with conceit, loving pleasure rather than God, as they retain the outer form of religion but deny its power. Stay away from these people. Verse 5 is the key here. Listen, I've shared in several messages over the last month of uh, surveys being done. 26% of believers today believe in gender fluidity. That has nothing to do with scripture. That's a worldview. And we see how that's an outer form of religion, but denying its power. It's a whitewashed facade. 52% of polled believers today do not believe in the absolute moral truth of the word of God. 52%. This scripture from 2 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 5, it's not a time and season to come. It's the day we're living in right now. To separate ourselves as a nation from God is to deny the power of God. And denying the power of God results in a power vacuum that is quickly flooded with evil, wicked, and unrighteous power. We see that across our nation today, and we actually see it in the greater body of Messiah. It's far harder to remove once it's become entrenched than to stop it before the vacuum is created. We have a biblical history that records the effects of power vacuums. As I said before in Judges 2, verses 10 through 5, when the entire generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation arose that knew neither Adonai nor the work he had done for Israel. Then the people of Israel did what was evil from Adonai's perspective and served the Baalim. They abandoned Adonai, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods, selected from the gods of the peoples around them and worshiped them. This made Adonai angry. They abandoned Adonai and served Baal and the Ashtrod. The anger of Adonai blazed against Israel, and he handed them over to pillagers who plundered them and to their enemies around them so that they could no longer resist their enemies. Whenever they launched an attack, verse 15, the power of Adonai was against them. So things turned out badly. Just as Adonai had said what happened and had sworn to them, they were in dire distress. America today, as a nation, we're at a crossroads. The get-it-done generation that sacrificed their lives, livelihoods, and lifestyles to unite against and lead the world to combat the worldwide onslaught spread of tyranny, terror, hatred, anti-Semitism, socialism, fascism, communism that threaten freedom around the world, that generation's almost gone. 
a generation that rationed food, fuel, clothes, and personal comfort to resolutely in complete unity defeat a global enemy, they're dying and almost completely gone. A generation that relied on God, that prayed in school every morning, had Bible study in school, started every government meeting and every sporting event with prayer. The generation that placed morality and holy living above all else, they're quickly fading away. And a generation now is arising that doesn't know the pain of sacrifice. A generation that isn't unified or resolute in defeating the rising tide of global aggression, hatred, anarchy, Antifa, communism, socialism. A a generation that is self-loving, money-loving, proud, and arrogant, insulting, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, uncontrolled, brutal, hateful of good, traitorous, headstrong, swollen with conceit, loving pleasure rather than God is quickly rising to prominence. As in Israel's history in Judges 17, verse 6, at that time, there was no king in Israel. A man simply did whatever he thought was right. We see this today in many of our major cities that have weak leaders. We see this in our states that have weak governors. These cities, these states are experiencing civil unrest, anarchy, and widespread destruction. We're reading reports of mass migrations away from California, away from New York, Why? Because they have immoral, incompetent, weak leaders. In 1 Samuel 31, verses 1 through 7, it says, Now the Philistine pressed their attack on Israel. The men of Israel fled before the Philistine, leaving their dead on Mount Gilboa. The Philistine pursued and overtook Saul and his sons, and the Philistine killed Jonathan, Avinadav, and Malchishua, the sons of Saul. The fighting went hard against Saul. Then the archers overtook and wounded him so that he was in agony. Saul said to his armor bearer, draw your sword and run me through with it. Otherwise, these uncircumcised men will come, run me through, and make sport of me. But his armor bearer refused. He was too frightened. So Saul took his sword and fell on it. And when his armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, he too fell on his own sword and died with him. Thus Saul, his three sons, his armor bearer, and all his men died the same day together. When the men of Israel who were on the other side of the valley and those who were on the far side of the Jordan saw that the men of Israel had fled and that Saul and his sons were dead. They abandoned the cities and fled. Then the Philistine came and lived in them. Remember, in a righteous power vacuum, evil and wickedness quickly flood the void. The previous generation, the do-it generation, sent their political candidates running for office to the men and women of God to vote and bless them. Today, a quickly growing segment of America's society rejects God. They know not the God that delivered us twice from the British onslaught, who built this nation by his providence, who saw us through the bloodiest war in America's history, the Civil War, the same God who carried us through World War I and World War II. They know not the God who made us the richest and strongest nation on the earth. Deuteronomy 8, verses 11 through 19, were warned, be careful not to forget Adonai your God by not obeying his mitzvahs, rulings, and regulations that I'm giving you today. And I got to pause here because I've said this before. Jonathan Kahn said this several weeks ago at the return, and I want to say this again. This was spoken of over Israel. Israel is the only nation on earth whose culture, government, and identity is defined by their relationship and covenant with God. The second closest to it is America who was founded upon the principles of Torah, who looked to the Bible for their source of governance. We have over 70 principles taken directly from the Torah that's in our U.S. Constitution. So there's a parallel here. We started in a covenant relationship with God, who was with us as we built this nation. Now this message is going to Israel. This applies to America as well today. 
He says, be careful not to forget the Lord your God and not obey his mitzvahs, rulings, and regulations that I'm giving you today. Verse 12, otherwise, after you have eaten and are satisfied, built fine houses and lived in them, increased your herds, your flocks, your silver, your gold, and everything else you own, you'll become proud-hearted, forgetting Adonai, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, where you lived as slaves, who led you through the vast and fearsome desert with its poisonous snakes, scorpions, waterless, thirsty ground, who brought water out of flint rock for you, who fed you in the desert with manna, unknown to your ancestors, all the while humbling and testing you in order to do you good in the end. Verse 17 says, you'll think to yourself, my own power and the strength of my own hand have gotten me this wealth. Verse 18, it says, no, you're to remember Adonai, your God, because it is he who is giving you the power, koach in the Hebrew, the capacity, the means, the strength, the power, the might. It is Adonai who's giving us the koach, the power to get wealth in order to confirm his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as is happening even today. If you forget Adonai, your God, follow other gods and serve and worship them, I am warning you in advance today that you will certainly perish. God knew that when a society and nation becomes rich, wealthy, and safe, that it tends to focus inward. Listen, both times in our history in Israel, when we were taken into diaspora, into captivity, it was one of our most wealthiest and prosperous times. That it begins to think in their blessed environment of safety, security, and wealth given by God, that they have attained it by themselves, that they would become proud-hearted and forget who brought us through all the trials and tribulations, who blessed our fertile land and brought rain at the right season, who cleared the land of vermin and pestilence, who increased our flocks, our crops, and made us the wealthiest nation on earth. Now we choose to turn our backs on him, to worship other gods, to decree that we are a self-made nation. He has warned us what he will do if we forget him. Verse 18 contains a whole other series. God isn't a sugar daddy who just gives you everything. He gives you the power, the capacity, the means, the strength, the ability to gain wealth. We have to have integrity and character, and we have to walk uprightly before him, and we have to pursue the things of God, and everything else will be given to us. He has given you gifts, wisdom, knowledge, and power to work, tithe, and change your stay in life. He's not giving you everything on a silver platter. Yeshua talks about the power struggle in Matthew 12, verses 29 through 30. Or again, how can someone break into a strong man's? Is kuros in the Greek, powerful, strong, valiant, mighty, strong in mind, one who has the strength of soul to sustain the attacks of Hasitan? How can someone break into a strong man's house and make off with his possessions? Skyulos, which is a vessel, an implement, household utensils, domestic gear, the tackle and armament of vessels. Vessel was a common Greek metaphor for body, since Greeks thought of souls living temporarily in bodies. So again, how can someone break into a strong man's house and make off with his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? After that, he can ransack his house. Those who are not with me are against me. Those who do not gather with me are scattering. The power vacuum doesn't just happen by accident. The enemy can only come in if the strong man is bound, if the leader is bound. And who is that? It's us, it's you, it's me, it's every believer in the body of Messiah. 
It's every believer that remains silent in the face of wickedness and evil. It's every believer who fails to vote. It's every believer who would vote for someone who is pro-abortion. Every believer who would vote for someone who stands against Israel. It's every believer who doesn't vote according to biblical moral and ethics. It's every believer who's part of the silent majority. Every believer who won't stand up and raise their voice against injustices. Every believer who falls into the trap of political correctness. Every believer who will not stand for truth and justice. My friends, America desperately needs godly, righteous leaders. We have a chilling, similar biblical account of another power vacuum in David's day. Saul was so distracted, so busy trying to kill David, that he failed to properly protect and defend his people and nation. One could be so mired in the minutia of special interest politics that they fail to properly do their job of protection and defending the nation and its citizens. This is what Saul fell into, and it cost dearly when the Philistines attacked and routed Israel. And again, as I read 1 Samuel 31, verses 6 through 10, thus Saul, his three sons, his armor bearer, all his men died that same day together. And when the men of Israel who were on the other side of the valley and those who were on the far side of the Jordan saw that the men of Israel had fled and the Saul and his sons were dead, they abandoned the cities. Then the Philistine came and lived in them. The following day, when the Philistine came to strip the dead, they found Saul and his three sons lying dead at Mount Geboa. They cut off his head, stripped off his armor, and sent these things all over the territory of the Philistine to carry the news of the temples of their idols into the people. They put his armor in the temple for the Ashtaroth and fastened his body to the wall of Bethshean. The army of God, the men of Israel, fled when they witnessed Saul fall. They abandoned their cities while the Philistines came and lived in them. Saul's death was mocked when the Philistines placed his weapons in their temple. Saul's dishonor had reached its climax, defeated, beheaded, and his body and those of his sons hung on the walls of Bethshean. The Philistines were known to mutilate the bodies of their enemies to disgrace and shame them, just as Isis does today. This vacuum set the stage for David's kingship, but not immediately. Crowned king of Judah, David, he ruled from Hebron until the other tribes finally came together and made him king of all Israel years later. You know, it's not widely reported, though. You can read the stories in Rosh Sheva and the World Net Daily. But the terrorists from the attack on November 13th in Paris in 2015 uh, in the Bataclan, that theater, they mutilated their victims with knives, too graphic and horrific to repeat. Even the attacks in Germany where terrorists killed a pregnant woman with a machete and in France, a Catholic priest was killed, his throat cut with a knife. We've seen knife attacks rise significantly across Israel and around the world from the back, watching YouTube videos of exactly where to put the knife. Now there are more attacks with machetes, trucks, even illegal guns. People are being slaughtered like lambs. Why? A power vacuum. If you're uncomfortable hearing all of this, you should be. When will the greater body wake up? When will the sleeping giant awaken? When will the body stop trying to befriend and not offend the world? The world hates us. It doesn't matter if the world's offended. Pharisees will always be offended. 